Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being on today. Um, I did bring a friend today. <laughs> today, we're tuned in for another session from our Chit Chat series where our customers and users share their perspectives on modernizing and automating the work we do at MonthEnd. We've done a few of these so far, and personally, I find these real-life interviews so helpful, uh, especially if you're considering uh, changing the way your team handles months and close right now, or if you're contemplating uh, making improvements to the reconciliation process, or maybe just trying to get by with fewer available resources now. There's really nothing better than hearing the stories of those who have walked the same path. For those of you who have attended uh, one or more of our chit chat sessions in the past and um, have provided feedback, I, I want to take this opportunity now to thank you for that. Um, of course, we enjoy all the positive feedback. Uh, we've also received some really great suggestions in the past that we've incorporated into this session. Uh, one thing that we've heard particularly is that folks want to see with their own eyes some of the features that we spent so much time talking about throughout these chit chat sessions. So today we're going to do that. So let me introduce everyone to Lake Health. Um, Lake Health is a, first of all, the customer uh, for about two years now. Um, it is a private not-for-profit leader in the community healthcare space in Northeast Ohio, uh, providing progressive and compassionate healthcare since 1902. Uh, its mission is to provide comprehensive healthcare services to Lake County and the neighboring communities in partnership with its medical staff and those who share a commitment to local access, to healing with compassion, and to superior quality. Uh, the vision for Lake Health is to coordinate a lifetime of health with patients and families in which they experience a responsive and <clears throat> high-tech state-of-the-art um, experience in healthcare, and to cultivate an organization and culture that will produce the best opportunities to practice and work. Our guest today is Lisa Mothersbaugh, who is the Director of Accounting at Lake Health. Uh, Lisa and her team has been part of the SkySam family for about two years, and today she's going to share her story with us. Uh, a little bit about Lisa, she's been employed with Lake Health for 20 years in progressive accounting roles and 10 years as the Director of Accounting. She graduated with a degree in finance from the University of Akron and holds a Certificate of Management Accounting from Lakeland Community College. She is also a CPA. Lisa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Nancy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, Lisa, walk us through, um, before we met you, walk us through a typical month-end close process at Lake Health um, that was done the old way. So, maybe talk to us about uh, what is that process like, what are the key activities, uh, perhaps the timeline how many people were getting involved at the time, um, and then any sort of management or audit requirements, anything you can think of um, describing uh, the way you guys used to close. Okay. We had a um, host of spreadsheets that we would keep, a spreadsheet that would um, be distributed with the closing schedule, of course, data submission dates, deadlines, meeting dates. Um, we had a spreadsheet that tracked the journal entries that we were responsible for, um, manually kept, 
um, manually checked off. Um, there were a lot of duplicate versions of those spreadsheets floating around. So there was also a manual process to make sure that all of the journal entries were in fact completed um, during the close. Um, the close involved about 10 people at the time. Um, typically took nine to 10 business days to complete um, and involved a lot of paper documentation, uh, journal entry review, you know, big stack of papers taken home at night and on weekends to ensure that all of the journal entries were reviewed properly before the close was finished. Um, it was a very manual time consuming process. Yeah. And and that's not unusual, I'm sure, especially for many folks on the call today and a lot of our audience are either members of the audit team um, or members of the finance and accounting team. So, you know, a manual process, and I always like to stress that, you know, for our customers, their manual processes work. It's not like it's completely broken and, you know, the house is burning down. It's just the fact that it's a lot like chasing cats and as part of doing the close. You're trying to finish your core work, but then there's just so many things and loose ends you want to tie up and then so many checks to check to check. And a lot, a lot of times it is a lot of papers, certainly a ton of spreadsheets. Um, and generally it just kind of gives you the feeling of you're just barely keeping up or just barely covering your core activities before, guess what, the next close is sort of on your tail. Um, Lisa, I, I don't think at the time uh, you were reconciling, as part of those monthly close, I don't think you were reconciling all of your balance sheet accounts. Is that right? That's correct. Um, in the course of completing the journal entries, of course, some of the reconciliations had to be complete. Um, but during the close, I would say about 40% of the significant um, balance sheet accounts were being reconciled. Mm -hmm. And the remainder, um, either, you know, during a periodic review or after the close, which made, you know, timing of clearing reconciling items delayed. Yeah. So the high risk accounts are done during the close. That's about 40% of the balance sheet. And then the rest is, you know, you cover it on a risk-based basis. And I think every once in a while folks come to the office and there's like a dedicated camp day for reconciliations where we do it, review them, and get them all cleared, right? Right. Yep, twice a year. Mm -hmm. Cover before <laughs> interim audit and year-end audit. Like an office party, except not, except only for reconciliations. Um, give us a sense as to how uh, it was a nine to 10 day close, about 10 people. How many accounts uh, was on the balance sheet. I know you're not getting to all of them every month, but how many accounts are on the balance sheet? Oh, we have over 600 accounts on the balance sheet. Um, you know, some were assumed to be extremely low risk, payroll, tax withholding, um, and a lot of the accounts receivable uh, accounts are, are grouped as far as the reconciliation goes. So really, on average, about 350 accounts a month. Yep. And then those reconciliations uh, were probably done primarily on like a spreadsheet cover sheet and uh, some backup, right? I'm guessing attached to it. Is it is it printed? Uh, do you guys sign off on it? What are the requirements there? Yes, there's a cover sheet 
um, and then the supporting documentation for every reconciling item, um, a printout from the general ledger that shows the beginning and ending balances so that we have numbers to tie to. Um, each one is signed off on. And then those are saved, you know, boxed up and saved for the audit in the event that one of those are, is selected for review. Yep. And um, the audit historically has been pretty clean, right? Little nits here and there, but nothing major. Right. No management letter comments since I've been director okay. of accounts. Yeah. So what prompted the desire uh, to improve the clothes, to change the way you guys are doing? Maybe walk us through, was there an event or was there finally something happened where, you know, everyone just threw their hands up and like, this is it? Um, what, what prompted the, either you or the team to just say, we got to look for a better way? Um, there was, um, in the past five years, a little bit of turnover in the department. And we also had more CPAs, um, on staff than we had had in the past. Um, as CPAs, we're required to, you know, continue our education and we're being exposed to all of these new technologies and applications um, that show that, you know, the need for transparency, the need to move to a more automated solution is the way to go. Um, so we had a staff accountant that offered to look into these solutions um, and we were looking for things to improve timeliness of our reconciliation, um, consistency of presentation, um, you know, making the documentation more readily available for review, um, and just the need for real-time communication and for um, being able to track clearing the re reconciling items. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we started that journey. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do, guys, is um, I'm going to log into our application. I'm going to log into our, it's our month and close solution. Let's take a look at where some of these pain points around close and reconciliations are for you, Lisa, um, and then how you and your team overcame this through automation, uh, or as I like to say, automation. I know that's really bad. All right, so I'm logged in. Um, let me see. Uh, let me set the stage a little bit. Uh, so this is our, this is a hosted system. You know, this is something that, and we'll talk about implementation later. We'll talk more about the evaluation process later. But um, essentially, if you become a customer, we'll get the system set up for you in about three to four weeks. It's going to happen very, very quickly. You'll log online and do your work in the system. The concept of art is simply that we take the work that is done during month end. So that's like updating our closing checklist or our journal entry checklist. You know, of course, we want to reconcile the balance sheet. We want to maybe do some flux analysis or variance analysis through infusing automation to these areas. We help accountants reduce the overall <laughs> pile of work that needs to be done, streamline the rest, and get you all the things that, you know, Lisa was really talking about, going paperless, more consistency, maybe get some real-time stats, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm logged into the April period, and the homepage consists of uh, just a bunch of dashboard that uh, we can get into later, because uh, we want to get into the underlying data first. Um, so let's start with, uh, you know, the closing checklist, which is really the backbone of the close. Let me get there. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get to talking about the reconciliations and the flux and all that. So accountants will log into our task master module during month end. 
if you are a customer, we help you set it all up um, so that the checklist is sort of ready to go. Um, most of the time, our customers are setting up closing checklists or journal entry checklists, although there are other applications. Um, Lisa, why don't you talk to us about how you and your team use this particular module? Okay, when we first started, this was one of the first things that we organized and took care of, um, a single source journal entry checklist with very clear uh, responsibility assignments. And um, the one of the great things about this particular item is you have the ability to store your standard work, your directions for how to complete your journal entries in the task doc. And then also you have the ability to upload and attach the supporting documents when you complete the journal entry so that anything that you need to review or to post this entry, it's available to you all in one place. And then we use this, we have um, a one level review on the journal entries. So we have, you know, the assigned owner and then the reviewer. And then, the, you know, it generates a new task for the following month and it's very little maintenance unless responsibilities change. Yeah. Uh, do you guys use, uh, just you set up one checklist on here or is it multiple checklists? We have multiple checklists. We have some closing items on there. Um, a lot of the distributed closing items are, you know, getting outsourced documentation or data pulls from our IT department or our other AR systems, something yeah. along those lines. Um, okay. So, you know, we, we don't give everyone access to art. We still have to do a little bit of outside distribution, but for anything internal to the department, um, we do put in the checklist here. Right. And have you tweaked this checklist um, from two years ago when we when we set that up with you? I'm sure it has also evolved, right? Changes are being made here and there. Oh, sure. I mean, journal entries are added. They're eliminated for whatever reason. Um, yeah, turnover means that, you know, we mass update the task owner for a particular area of responsibility. And it's all right. extremely um, user friendly. Yeah. Uh, and that really is the idea behind this particular module is, hey, you know, we're as part of accounting. We all love our checklists and we have lots of them. Um, but the primary one probably being the closing checklist or a journaling checklist. So it gets all pushed out here, the schedules are set, the due dates are set, right? Certain things are done, day minus five or day plus two, whatever that cadence is, it's laid out so that, you know, when you come in, you, everyone see what they're supposed to see and they don't see what they don't need to see. And then they can start to work and um, work on completing it. Uh, the instructions can be attached. Uh, if you have a template, for example, that say, hey, if you guys wanna, you know, do this task, use this template. That can be attached. When you sign off on it, you can then attach your deliverables. The system, of course, electronically signs it for you, um, tells you when it's done, whether you're late or early. And, and so that you have all of your, not just the checklist signed off, but all of that backup underneath it. You know, you're creating that all at the same time and then archiving it all in one spot. 
Um, Lisa, for your auditors, I imagine that you probably, do you give them access to the system and they come and grab what they need? We don't give them access to the system. We download a binder or we mm -hmm. email them a copy of whatever journal entry and supporting documentation um, they need right from the system. Okay, so you're, that's the second method in which you're um, uh, downloading information and then sending it out to their e-room or to their emails. Um, that works as well. The other alternative is you give them access, they come in, search for what they need. You know, it is pretty easy to navigate and they get what they need and sort of just leave your people out of it as much as possible until they have a real question. Um, so that's, that's really neat. Uh, what we have also seen, uh, I'm going to get out of this back to the homepage. What we've also seen applications for this taskmaster is just other projects that accounting or finance team might want to run. So, you know, a due diligence project, for example, even a one-time thing that people want to do, you know, because this is essentially a project management module on that side. So anything that you can run that can be allocated out to your team, you could also use it for that. It doesn't have to be just for the close. Um, what uh, is really cool about this checklist is that it's also linked to a couple things. One is a set of dashboards. And Liz, we have a couple of task dashboards, and you can tell me which one you use. But one here is that this is a thermometer, very high level, tells you, are you late, are you not, <laughs> on your task. Um, and then it sort of breaks it down, you know, your task status by month. And then here's one where you have the task status by checklist, in case you have more than one. Um, which one do you use most often, either you or your team, Lisa? We use this as a starting point, and then, you know, I immediately, of course, drill in on the complete or on the pending review. Um, I also mm -hmm. verify the overdue, um, you know, at the end of the close. Um, why? Where are we with it? You know, does somebody just need to submit um, and then follow up? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, any of those graphics give you the ability to just drill right into the data. So, I use those quite a bit. Yeah, which is which is nice. <laughs> just go based on the picture. Um, let me switch gears a bit, because I know this is another module that you use today, and that's on the reconciliation side. Um, uh, so essentially how the reconciliation side works is at the end of the month or towards the end of the month, your GL, whatever that platform may be, it, 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 we're GL agnostic, we work with every single GL platform, your GL is going to send information or, you know, we're going to feed or upload information into ART. So your trial balance data gets into ART. And what it's going to do, it's going to set up all your cover sheets for your reconciliations. Uh, it's going to set up your reconciliation checklist. And, and then it's going to try to system reconcile as many accounts as possible. Typically, it's about 10 to 40% of your balance sheet. Um, and this is pretty key because you know, what Lisa described in her traditional close, you know, they're getting to about a 40% coverage um, every month. Uh, it's actually not bad, uh, especially if it's risk ranked, but we'll, of course, prefer is 100% coverage every single month. And I think, Lisa, you were able to get to, with our, you were able to get to 100% coverage, uh, right? Yes. Although, you know, the yeah. risk levels determine how frequently um, the reconciliations are completed. But, yes, 100% mm -hmm. coverage. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is, I know you're not using all the rules, but the system reconciliation stuff where the system sort of monitors the balance or whatnot and kind of close out um, a lot of these accounts so your people don't have to look at it, that's, that was a big part of it, right? 
Yeah, that was huge. Um, we weren't sure about uploading our entire balance sheet to ART, um, but we did, and I believe it was the right choice. Um, as long as you choose the right parameters in the setup, uh, the system reconciliation feature is fantastic. And it saves yeah. so much time. It just allows you to key in to, you know, the activities that you need to look at. And we have heard that a lot, especially for teams that have a lot of accounts and not a ton of people. Because chances are you're not using all those accounts heavily. You're, you know, some of these accounts follow like a pretty set pattern. So as much as possible, to the extent that your, you know, valuable human resources don't have to work on it, we want to make sure that happens. Um, and pretty consistently, we see about 10 to 40 percent elimination on the balance sheet, which is, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I know, Lisa, you guys are using uh, these reconciliation cover sheets, and I think part of the objective was to uh, provide more consistency in the way the reconciliations are done, right? Maybe not entirely getting out of Excel, but giving an alternative. Um, for some standardization through these standard forms. Right. There are a couple of different templates. Um, you know, in standardization, you really kind of ignore um, the differences in certain uh, accounts and the way that they act. Um, so it's mm -hmm. nice to have a couple of different te templates to choose from, um, you know, that go along with the nature of the account um so like prepaid that was a huge spreadsheet and making sure that you have properly spread each of the prepaids to the right periods um, and have the documentation to support that for audit it is huge and reviewing <laughs> it is difficult and time consuming um I, we have probably uh i think one of our accounts has maybe 350 to 400 individual prepaid amounts running through it. So this has really saved us a huge amount of time. We no longer keep that spreadsheet. We only keep the prepaid in art. And it's so much easier to review. And the amortization is already pre-made throughout the term of the invoice. So the verification mm -hmm. is quick and easy. Yeah, what Lisa's describing here is um, this particular type of account because you know prepaid certain types of accruals because they're so predictable. You could actually train the system to amortize um, on the reconciliation. You attach the invoice and it kind of just rolls on its own, so that whatever has been set up before is sort of locked down. You don't have to think about it. You know, you just have to worry about the new stuff. And in a month where you don't have any new invoices, this account will then be system reconciled and then you definitely don't have to think about it anymore. Um, so that's just one example of one of the templates that we have. Um, I know Lisa, you uh, placed uh, a lot of reliance on email alerting, right? So understandably, not everyone's in the system all the time. Um, what kind of email alerts do you use to tell people things, you know, make sure that they're doing certain things around the checklist and around their reconciliation? So we use the notifications to let everybody know when the general ledger balances have been uploaded so that they know the templates are available for them to begin work. Um, a lot of them use them during the close so that they can clear the reconciling items and have a clean uh, balance stand. We also use the delinquent account alert. 
um, for the preparer and for the reviewer. We let them know when those accounts have been returned for modification. And then <clears throat> the templates themselves have the ability to um, input review comments. And those aren't necessarily notification, but those do um, go to the preparer by email. Yeah, that's a good point. So when you're doing a review on a reconciliation and you have some coaching points, yes, there is actually a workflow where a manager could put in a note and say, hey, you forgot to you know, do this or attach that. And that note also gets generated into an email alert. Um, there's a ton of these alerts that you can configure. Lisa, you brought up a good point um, in that you want to be careful about not setting like too many alerts, <laughs> right? Otherwise, yes. you kind of just get all ignored. <laughs> Yes, you must be judicious. Um, the team generally uh, decided after a few too many notifications that you know they should create a folder in their email box and have the rules automatically direct those notifications to the folder. So they overlooked a lot of my review comments in the beginning um, because they were you know tired of seeing that they had a delinquent account over and over again. So. We've reset those to a little bit further period of time, just enough to let them know that, you know, they need to get back in and get their work done in a timely manner. Terrific. Um, I want to show just uh, one or two reports, because um, this is something, if you're on a manual process, it's very, very difficult to get. And this could be a true game changer for your clothes, the ability to not only see, you know, really nice dashboards, but extract data out of your process. And this could be extracting your open items, like your timing differences, you know, exceptions, exposures on the balance sheet. It could be just grabbing completion dates. Um, Lisa, I know you use one of these reports uh, fairly regularly. Is it the delinquent accounts report or is it the exception report? It's the delinquent accounts report. Actually, in both All of right. those, I use about on a monthly basis. Oh, fantastic. All right, let's run one. <laughs> okay. Yes, we do have accounts that are late. Okay, so this pulls up a list of all the accounts that have exceeded their due date and have not yet been finished. Um, so, Lisa, how do you use this report? I review for the users that are behind, and I either download or email the list of them, you know, in the event that they've ignored the automated notification and ask them mm -hmm. for, you know, ETA on completion for those. So you can extract this down to Excel. That's a popular option. Um, then you can slice it and dice it some more if you want. Um, I like this one here for the person who asked about email alerts. You could actually email this report to someone who is not in the system at all, like maybe an executive who you know doesn't care to have a license or doesn't want to log in. Um, you could email this report to them straight out of the system uh, in PDF form. And then uh, what you could also do if you want to just provide that extra diligence on your process, if it works as an internal control, you could sign off or have your people sign off on any of our reports, you know, showing that, hey, I've looked at my account and I understand this is you know, my delinquencies, this is my exposure, this is my account set ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, very cool. Um, Lisa, was there anything else that you wanted to make sure we show to the audience before uh, I switch gears and take us back to um, uh, the rest of the session? I don't know that I can recall. 
let me um, just show this real quick. I know you guys are not quite on it yet. I know you guys are going to be on Zoom. This is a flex. So we talked about um, our closing checklist management. We talked about our reconciliation side. Uh, what you could also do if you want as a team is run your flex analysis on here, right? Again, we have the GL balances. What it could do is you could set up some rules and say, hey, you know, for certain accounts, if it's exceeding 5% or $50,000, then I want to know. <laughs> and if not, then I don't care. So you set up these rules, the GL comes through, it runs, it computes the differences between it's either, you know, month to month, some people do quarter to quarter, year to year, it's up to you. Um, and then the system will then tell you the account that is exceeding the threshold. And you can look at it, look at the difference, you know, then you can think about what you want to do. Some groups are very formal where they say, hey, you know, I, I need someone to go in and explain this, research the difference, right? It's a supplement to my reconciliation process or sometimes instead of. Um, and you can document an explanation, you know, there's a whole workflow, you could sign off, all that jazz, attach documents. Um, and then other folks that are other teams are less formal where they might just want to look at it and say, yeah, you know, this looks about right or I'm expecting that, whatnot, and just kind of move on. So this is a, a really nice module to complement your reconciliation process, especially for teams that, for example, are not reconciling every account every month. Just, just gives you another layer of, you know, this is all about building confidence in your numbers, building comfort in knowing that um, you've really uh, focused on the numbers and validated that it's correct in a material way. Let's talk about, so let's talk about your evaluation process. Because um, I remember you guys did follow um, a pretty step process for your evaluation. So maybe talk to us about that. Okay. Um, I mean, the first thing that we did was the staff accountant Google uh, applications similar to this to get some vendor names. Um, she reached out to have some demos. Um, she and the manager of financial reporting systems actually watched quite a few demos before they narrowed it down to um, their top five. And then they referred it to me um, so that I could see the demos. And what we did was we created a matrix of functionality and pricing for each of the vendors. And that easily allowed us to narrow it down to three. We, we were referred to Captera to um, review some reviews of different software systems just to see you know, what the industry recommends. So we used that information. And then we compiled the data, um, wrote a memo, a justification memo to our CFO and then presented that to our Vice President of Finance with our recommendation as to um, going with Skystem Art. And he presented it to the CFO and really the acceptance was um, pretty easy. I mean, our justifications included, you know, the things that we talked about earlier, what prompted the need for improvement, the quality, the reliability, the accuracy, the transparency of not only the reconciliations, but of the closing process itself. Um, so yeah, the, the CFO was on board right away. Yeah, so it really wasn't that hard to get your management bought into the project. No, and actually the pricing was probably, um, you know, the key. I mean, some of these other systems, 
offer similar functionality, although a little bit more limited in from my perspective from art. Um, but their cost was significantly higher than art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we primarily work with mid-sized companies um, with small to mid-sized teams. And one of the things that we feel are pretty is pretty unique about mid-sized corporations, and I see there's a question asking about how do we differentiate against the competition. I think a big part really here is value in the in our audience focus. The kind of companies we work with typically are operationally fairly complex, right? So there's are not mom and pop shops, but at the same time, they're not Walmart, right? But operationally fairly complex, sometimes international, although not always. About half of them are publicly traded, the other half private. Um, but they typically do not have a big team where they could absorb lots of special projects. So if you don't remember, they got other stuff going on too. They got core conversions, they got, you know, new GL updates and that sort of thing. Um, so they're typically looking for a solution that is fairly robust, number one, can suit their needs, but at the same time, doesn't require outside consultants to help do the setup, um, don't you know need like eight weeks, 12 weeks, or sometimes six months to do that project, because they really cannot be disrupted in that significant of a way for something like this, right? Because we're not talking about overhauling a GL, this is really just a very contained process. Um, so that's really where we shine, or one of the ways where we really shine is that we really try to make this setup, this journey to onboard you as smooth as possible in a way that's minimally disruptive. And cost is also a big factor. Um, you know, we, we try very, very hard to be one of the most affordable solutions in the marketplace, and we're really proud to be able to say that. Again, the reason is because the type of companies we work with, right? When you're dealing with you know, a hundred person department, there's sometimes a lot of fat that you can trim in terms of headcount reduction and, you know, the, the hard ROI is there. We have seen a lot of cases with our teams where there is hard ROI where I think Lisa, you've experienced this where, you know, some people go away and you don't manage to rehire for the position. And because of the technology, you're actually able to cover the same amount with fewer people. But that's not always the case. It's not always the case that for a mid-sized small team, you could get that hard ROI. So cost becomes incredibly important because you're going to be getting a lot more soft costs sometimes than harder costs with a smaller team. And, you know, because you're just lean to begin with. And we really have to make sure that you get enough value out of it, which is why the price point is really, really important to us. Um, I was going to ask you about something, um, Lisa, about, oh. Captera. Lisa mentioned Captera. For those of you who um, are not familiar, Captera is a third-party website. Think of it as a Yelp for enterprise software. If you are considering any type of enterprise software, I do suggest you go to captera.com, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com. Um, that's where people post reviews of the softwares that they use, um, both good and bad feedback. It's very honest. Um, no vendor can influence um, what people are putting in. So I like to recommend it to, you know, anyone who is looking for software at an enterprise level. If you don't know, you know, should it be this or that, or we want to just do some research, go to their website. It's completely independent, you know, type in the vendor that you're looking for, and it's going to pull up all the reviews of what people have said of what they liked and didn't like about using the system. Lisa, 
walk us through your implementation process. Um, you know, what were the major, because people are always very interested in what is entailed in the setup, like on the customer side. So what are some of your key steps? What did you remember doing? How long did it take? Uh, maybe walk us through that. Okay. The implementation, I believe, took us about four weeks. Um, we were provided with an implementation specialist and templates. Um, the only data that we were required to come up with we, was an export of our um, general ledger and working that against our financial statements, you know, assigning some parameters and setting that information up in the format that the templates provided. It was it was a time consuming process in terms of um, making those assignments, making sure those categorizations matched our financial statements um, for status reporting purposes. But all in all, it was very easy. It required no IT involvement whatsoever, um, which is great. And it, it occurred on time. Um, they I mean, are trained us, um, the business admins that were doing the um, data uploads, the users, um, and the administrators all received training as a group or individually um, as needed. And then the customer service is extremely responsive. I don't think that I've ever experienced customer service so responsive in, um, in a, in a you know, application like this. So it was, it was great. Um, I believe your customer service lead is on the call today participating. Um, she learned that we were doing this and she wanted to make sure that she gets on and take a listen. So I'm sure she's going to really, really appreciate this. The, the, the setup um, is a five-step setup. We kick off the meeting uh, and then what Lisa is describing is this template. We send you home with a template after talking about how you want to set up the account. Um, and the bulk of the work that happens on the customer side is really to gather that information for the template. So we want to know your chart of accounts, your reconciliation checklist, who does what, everyone's emails, you know, how often you want to reconcile, where's your, rec where's your closing checklist. It should be everything you already have if you are following a fairly mature process today. Um, so it's really a matter of gathering that information and sticking that into the template and making some formatting adjustments. So that's the time it takes for our customer to pull that data together. And then after we have that data, we actually build the site. So 95% of the time, we do not need to work with your IT team, which again is a huge plus for the kind of companies we work with, right? Their IT burden is typically also their team is very lean on the IT side as well. They're already up to their you know, eyeballs and so many projects. So it is a big relief when they don't have to wait two years to wait for their IT team to free up because we do that entire setup. We also do not re um, require you to outsource it to outside consultants, um, which is a model that we are really proud of. We know our systems best. Um, there's really no need to involve a third party. Once the site is built, we show it to you and then we get you set up for training. Um, and all in all, that takes about three to four weeks. And I just realized it looks like it's minus 20 hours. It's not minus 20 hours, it takes about 20 hours. <laughs> that would be a pretty big claim. Um, 
and, and for the most part, uh, we deliver on that timeline. So for our customers, for example, that are coming online in May, uh, we've, for the most part, have gone through the kickoff. Um, and by the end of this month, they would already be trained. Their site is set up. They will be going live at the end of this month, or I'm sorry, beginning of next month for the May close. And in terms of customer support, uh, we really believe in more family-style customer support. Uh, I guess it's a little bit old-fashioned that way. Our uh, leadership comes from a hospitality industry, so we really try to be as hands-on as we can, which is kind of the different direction than where most software companies are trying to go, you know, for cost reasons. So, of course, we have all the online stuff that you can do, right? There's a, a, an academy that you can take courses online. There's um, a forum where you can look up articles and um all that stuff but we also offer the more traditional type of support which is one-on-one -on -one. you call us we'll get back to you you email us with a question you know we will investigate it and get back to you um and then if you really need help uh, and this is all included in the package that you pay you don't have to pay additionally for support um, if you really need help we will also um, schedule some one-on-one -on -one private coaching Okay, so um, Lisa, talk to us about the benefits, the results, um, uh, not just how much time you saved in general, but maybe what other cool things that you were able to realize with ART. Since going live with ART, we're now down to eight people in the close process, and we've still managed to cut our close down by at least a day in addition to getting our reconciliations completed monthly. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it is an online system that, um, you know, we don't require anyone to provide us with a paper batch to follow up on. Um, and frankly, in the current environment where we're all working remotely, it's allowed us to stay on time with our notifications and stay in communication about what needs to be done to keep our clothes short. Um, I'm sorry, I feel like I missed the question. No, you got it. <laughs> How many days did you manage to save in your clothes process? I'll source this question. Um, it looks like you shaved at least one day and then, but you're doing it with 80% of the workforce you had before. And a huge amount of the benefit, Nancy, is at year-end for audit. Uh, we used to spend uh, untold hours, weeks, preparing for audit, making sure we had all the documentation. And we don't need to do that anymore. Um, we already know that we have the documentation saved online, along with the reconciliation. It's all in one place, and it's an easy download and expert to uh, provide to them. And, and that's typically the time that you spend doing that is a really important part of the year of the close because you know they come when <laughs> we're busy. Um, so the fact that you can save time in those crucial moments, I think is really important as well. I have here just some of the main themes that we've heard from our customers in the past because everyone's in here for different reasons and the kind of benefits that you get out of something like this actually does differ depending on what your current process looks like and what is your vision for that future. So 
some people come in for the express purpose of saving time. Like we have to cut X many days out of close, right? Or, hey, I'm not looking to hire more staff, but the business is growing like crazy. I need something to manage that growth. Other people come in uh, for ecological reasons, right? They want to go green. They want to be able to have uh, more flexibility within the workforce, which is, you know, very uncanny, especially now, where now you can actually log in remotely, do that work. You're not forced to come into the office because that's where all my paperwork is. Um, we also have executives really needing and wanting more insight into the process. They, they, they would like to become more hands-off or remain um, a little bit further away from the process, but they need to see information and they don't want to burden their team to constantly gathering statuses for them. So, these are all, you know, really great reasons to think about whether something like this would be a good fit for you. Now, now Lisa, you've walked this path and it's been about two years. Do you have any advice um, for someone who is either, you know, considering this or maybe about to go into evaluation or maybe uh, is looking to go to management to sell this idea? Any advice that you could give for someone in that position? I think if you just, uh, succinctly summarize, you know, the issues that you know exist um, and how the solution addresses each of those issues, the value is apparent for you. Um, you know, I can't say that I think any other solution would be easier. Um, we've just had a really great experience. Fantastic. And we're happy to hear that. If you are thinking about evaluating software, it doesn't matter what kind of software it is. Um, what I have here is just a couple of things to keep in mind of. Um, this is not what everyone thinks about, but I feel everyone should. So for example, termination is a big one here, right? We gotta think about the end uh, when we're looking to start a relationship with any vendor. And you know, a lot of people, rightfully so, gets, we're just so excited about getting on a software, we don't think about the end. How are you going to terminate this contract? Uh, how are you gonna get all of your data back? Is there an easy way? Are you gonna be held <laughs> ransom with your data? These are all things we gotta think about, especially given now that the plethora of you know, the cloud software or hosted system is so, so prevalent. Um, so, this concludes our webinar for us and lisa thank you so much for being on and sharing your journey i, I think people do find it really helpful to just hear it from someone you know who's done it before um, and can really learn from that experience if uh, those of you who do have um, more curiosity there's a couple things you could do uh, first off you go to our website at www.skystem.com you could sign up for a private demo or sign up for a shorter recorded demo and just check out what it is that we do. It's, uh, we hold it every day, it's super fast. Um, so that's on our website. We also have a couple of other uh, webinars coming up. Uh, I think uh, the one that we have, the next in Corsa one is, is impact of internal controls over financial reporting. That went on June 11th and then uh, our CPE network LinkedIn group, we still run that uh, anytime we, find things that are kind of interesting, free, CPE, discounted. Uh, we try to post that there on LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn and just type in free CPE network, um, it's the first group that pops up. And then, uh, and then that's it. Thank you. Thanks everyone, take care.